Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever met someone who acts like they're perfect? Most of us have. But there is one man, Jesus of Nazareth, who actually was perfect, although he didn't walk around acting that way. Yet despite being both humble and perfect, Jesus divided many people as they struggled to figure out or flat out denied who he was. Oddly enough, it was the religious leaders that hated Jesus the most, and they were the ones that brought him to the Romans to be crucified on the cross. Let's join Pastor Jim to learn why people wanted Jesus dead in part one of his message, Jesus the Perfect King. Well, we have a sarcastic expression. It goes something like this. Oh, you think you're so perfect. Or maybe you point out someone's mistake and they fire back at you. You're not so perfect. But what if, what if you actually met somebody who was really perfect? Now, some of you have already, and we all will tonight, His name is Jesus. We have been uh, thinking about this week from Sunday to Wednesday to tonight, an aspect of Easter week, the week of the cross and resurrection, about the different reactions of people to Jesus. In fact, we said in our last two studies that the reactions of people to Jesus often are a large point of what the Bible writers are making. Tonight, we're going to look at what's known as the Roman trials of Jesus. It's the morning of the cross. It's after the Jewish trials, which basically took place probably after midnight till some shortly after the break of day. And in the Jewish trials, the charge was blasphemy. You being a mere man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus did not deny it. And the verdict for such a thing was death. Tonight, we will see how Jesus divides some people. He said he would, and he does. And how he even, while he divides some people, unites others who at one time were enemies. Tonight, we'll see how God is so powerful that he even uses unbelieving people to preach the gospel. So out of their mouths will come the words of the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we'll see some of the reactions to those words in our message that we've entitled, Jesus, the Perfect King. So let's jump right in. Luke 23, uh, verse 1. Then the whole multitude of them, well, who's them? Well, if we had started out in chapter 22, or you look at the end of chapter 22, it's a group known as the Sanhedrin. Some people call them the Sanhedrin. I'll say the Sanhedrin. Uh, They're the religious leaders, the rulers of the Jews. And so the whole multitude of them arose and led them to Pilate. That's Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And this would be known by some scholars as the first uh, Roman trial. Verse 2, and they began to accuse him, saying, and so this is what they're saying, the religious leaders are saying to Pontius Pilate, we found this fellow, very, very, I won't even say his name, we found this fellow perverting 
Some versions say misleading the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Now, at this point, almost all of the religious leaders are what we would call hard-hearted haters of Jesus. The evidence of all Jesus' miracles, the truth about Jesus made absolutely no difference to them. Now, we cited in earlier studies that Israel was under Roman occupation, which means that Israel was part of the Roman uh, Empire. And for the most part, the Romans, as long as you paid your taxes and sort of behaved yourself, they allowed you to rule yourselves. However, they did take the death penalty away from people, only they were allowed to inflict the death penalty. And that's why they come to this Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, they need his Roman authority to kill Jesus. So he was the local Roman governor. He was in town for the Passover. It's the Passover season uh, because lots of riffraff and problems happened during this time as the streets were completely packed with people. And let's be honest, Pontius Pilate hated the Jews and the Jews hated Pontius Pilate. But Pontius Pilate will do anything to keep his job. And the religious leaders know this. He will do anything he has to do to stay off of Caesar's radar. Because if Caesar hears anything about going on in Israel, that's probably going to be it for Pontius Pilate. He was often one of those guys that was in trouble for being heavy handed. So the religious leaders are pretty straightforward. They come to Pontius Pilate, they look him straight in the eye and they say this, we are bringing this fellow to you. Here's the charges. We want you to kill him. In fact, we're telling you to kill him. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might all surprise you that the religious leaders would be against Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you joined us. And, and a lot of this stuff is often very surprising. So let's go backwards in Luke's gospel to chapter nine. We're in chapter 23, but let's go back to chapter nine, verse 22. And it says, saying, Jesus is speaking. And he says, the son of man, that's his favorite name for himself, must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. We'll call those guys the religious leaders for the, for the ease of things. And be killed. He's going to suffer for, at the hands of the religious leaders. You're like, wait a minute, Jesus is suffering? These guys are doing it? Yeah, they're doing it. And be killed and be raised the third day. Let's move ahead a little bit to Luke chapter 18. Not as far as where we are tonight, but Luke chapter 18, verse 31 says, then he, Jesus, took the 12. Whenever you see that expression, the 12, it, it, it is the apostles. He took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man, again, Jesus' favorite name for himself, will be accomplished for he will be delivered to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, that's the Romans, 
and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. Then he says in verse 33, they will scourge him, scourge, Jesus says, they're going to scourge me and kill him. That's the cross. And the third day he will rise again. So first he tells, he says, the religious leaders are going to beat me, they'll kill me, and I'll rise the third day. And then he says, the Romans are going to beat me, and they're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise the third day. And so here we are, the religious leaders have already beaten Jesus, sentenced him to death, and we're now in the Roman trial. They have to go to the Romans again to punch his pilot for the death penalty. And they are going to level these charges of why Pontius Pilate should kill him. But they've got to change the, the charges. Jesus declares he is the Hebrew God. Do you think Pontius Pilate cares about that? He could care less about that. So they've got to change the charges for the Romans to convince the Romans to kill him. So let's go back to verse 2 of chapter 23 and notice that they level two or three charges, and I'll explain to you why I, why I say it's two or three in a moment in verse 2. And it says, And they began to accuse him, began to accuse Jesus, saying to Pontius Pilate, number one, we found this fellow perverting the nation or misleading the nation. Number two, and he was forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. And three, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. But of course, Caesar was the king. Now, the reason I say it's two or three accusations or charges they make is because they may be saying the way Jesus perverts or misleads the nation could be by saying, don't pay taxes, and he is the king. But again, the charges are different than they were made in the Jewish trials. Why? Well, they all, the charges are meant to, in Pontius Pilate, tap sensitive political nerves that are meant to put fear into Pontius Pilate that the news of what's going on is going to reach Rome and Caesar's ears. It's almost like they're saying to Pilate, hey, do you, do you know why? You remember last Sunday, all the commotion of when he came riding into town on a donkey and why the town is just lit up with all this talk of Jesus? Do you know why all of these people are following so hard after him? Don't you see it, Pilate? Don't you realize what's happening? This is a rebellion against Rome. This is a rebellion against your boss who have your head, Caesar. Yet Jesus said the exact opposite on Palm Sunday. He basically demonstrated to them that he was not a military leader, that he was not leading a rebellion against Rome and he even predicted that the people themselves would rebel against Rome and their city would be leveled by the Roman Empire, which happened 
40, a little less than 40 years later in 70 AD. Again, Pontius Pilate has absolutely no interest in how Jesus' words to the religious leaders is dividing Israel. But not paying your taxes or telling people not to pay your taxes to the government and saying that you are the king, which means Caesar is not, which we say when we study the the New Testament church by saying Jesus is king, you're saying Caesar is not. You could get the death penalty for that. These are serious accusations that Pilate is going to have to deal with. Not to mention, to say that Jesus said not to pay taxes is a total lie. Some of you know the story. Maybe most of you know the story. When they brought a coin to him, they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, whose picture's on this? Caesar. They all said it's Caesar's. Jesus said, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, which is part of the only part I think we remember of what he said. And Jesus flips the coin, though, and says, and render the things to God that are God's. Not only that, but Jesus had a reputation for being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So he wasn't telling tax tax, uh, collectors not to collect taxes. He was telling them, be fair in the way you do it. Even the reason they hated that he was a friend of tax collectors is the Jews hated the tax collectors because they were Jews who collected taxes for the Romans, considered to be the biggest traitors of all. But it appears to be the last charge that Pilate really has to go after. He, he knows the, the others are really not going to fly. It's a charge of high treason that Jesus is claiming to be a political king. That is the one he has to investigate. That is the charge he really must know about. Verse 3 says, then Pilate asked him, uh, saying, are you the king of the Jews? More literally, it goes like this. You, the king of the Jews? I mean, remember, he'd been beaten by the Jewish uh, leaders. He's standing there. He's all quiet. Isaiah told us years earlier, centuries earlier, that he would not open his mouth. And he's kind of just kind of just standing there. And he answered and him and said, and In this section, it's Jesus' only words. It is as you say. Verse 4 is absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Remember I said that God can put the, the message of the gospel in the mouth of unbelieving people. Some of you know what that's like. I remember what that like when I was, God was bringing me into the kingdom. Everywhere I would go. I mean, I'd go to Quick Check or 7-Eleven to get a cup of coffee and the guy would say, there you go. God bless you. Have a great day. And I'd be like, what do you mean God bless me? Have a great day. <laughs> I get gas and the guy would be like, God bless you. Everywhere I went. I didn't even sneeze. People were telling me everywhere I went, God bless you. And so God has a way of getting our attention, even if it means he will use the voice of a donkey he did in the Old Testament or of unbelieving people. So look at verse four. So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. Now let's just stop for one second. That should close the case. Those words right there, I find no fault in this man. That should be it. No death penalty. But as we're going to see, 
there are forces seen and unseen that are at work here. Now, it's important to remember when the Bible writers write, they're typically writing abbreviated accounts. I mean, what we're reading today takes place over hours. And and so it's safe to assume that in between verse 3 and verse 4, there was some intense conversation going on between Pilate and Jesus. In fact, if you go to the Gospel of John, you'll see a lot more of the discussion. It's so interesting that takes place between Pontius Pilate and Jesus. Pontius Pilate just does not want to do this. He does not want to do this. Now, the thing about Pilate, you have to say, and, and he's sort of made out to be a little bit like a buffoon, especially when the, when the Jewish leaders say, we have no king but Caesar to him, and like totally mocking him out. But he has kept a very difficult job for a very long time that tell us he's no dummy. And he's, and he's really not bound by Roman law when it comes to Jesus by the simple fact that Jesus is not a Roman Citizen. We see in the New Test, further in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul is a Roman citizen and he uses that to his advantage to preach the gospel. In John's gospel, remember we said that there's more interaction between him and Pontius Pilate. Jesus explains that he's not a political king, that he's a spiritual king, that, he's, that his kingdom is a kingdom of truth that it's not from this place. And if it were from this place, he would just call down angels to fight. But he's he's not looking for Caesar's throne. In Matthew and Mark's gospel, it says that Pontius Pilate was perceptive enough to see that the real problem that the religious leaders had was they were envious of Jesus. They hated his power. They hated his popularity. They hated the way whenever they tried to trick him, they went home with their tails between their legs. And Pontius Pilate knows that for the religious leaders, this is all about power. Right now, it's between the religious leaders and Pontius Pilate. But also, largely, all of this was about the, po- the power struggle between the religious leaders and those who would question their authority. And Jesus did. He primarily did it this way by saying to them, you have abused by God gave you a position to be the leader of the people and you have abused your authority that God has given to you. Man, what a warning to any Christian leader, huh? Not to abuse the authority that God has given to you. But notice Pilate's conclusion. And friend, let me tell you, this is a conclusion you must come to at some point in time near the beginning if you are going to be a follower of Jesus. And what's the conclusion? I find no fault in this man. The people who say, well, Jesus was a sinner, they're not Christians. I'm sorry. I'm sorry they're not. The people who want to point out these flaws in Jesus, I'm sorry. Pilate himself sees it. There is no fault in this man. Why is that important? That's what makes Jesus a perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Jesus is faultless and perfect. That's how he can be, as John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
That, that also explains Jesus' answer on his identity to Pontius Pilate. He says, it is as you say, I am who you say I am. But the life and death question is this. Do you believe it? I'm not talking about here. Do you believe it in your heart? Has it made the journey from your head to your heart? And to believe essentially is, in their way of thinking, is the word trust. Do you, do you, do you trust Jesus is who he says he is, the, the king of the cosmos? Pontius Pilate sees it, or he's close to seeing it because his heart and his mind is not poisoned by the teaching of the religious leaders. But he has something that the Bible warns us all about. He has the fear of man. And he has the desire for position. And when he combines all of that, that makes him indifferent to Jesus. And a lot of people today are indifferent to Jesus. They're not passionate about Jesus. But Jesus says, you are either for me or against me. So if you are not full on for him, then indifferent is put into the classification of being against him. Well, let's look at after Jesus, after it said that Pilate says there's no fault in this man, let's look at the religious leader haters, hard-hearted haters' reaction. Verse 5. But they were more fierce. I mean, what? once they heard that, I mean, they just erupted. And, and, and the idea is when they're more fierce, the idea is they kept on insisting. They were unrelenting, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know the Bible, let me tell you what they're doing here. They are using bigotry and prejudice in their case. What do you mean? The people in Jerusalem were the educated people. The people from Galilee were the people from Podunk. They did not think much in Jerusalem of the people from Galilee. And so they basically say to Pilate, Pilate, this dude's from Galilee. And you know what those people are like. They are a bunch of uneducated, riffraff troublemakers who hate the Roman Empire. So many of the uh, rebellions came out of Galilee and their leaders of the rebellions came out of Galilee. And now they are here spreading their rebellion here. Are you going to let that happen here? Are you going to let that happen here? Once again, the fear that Caesar would hear it. Once again, they twist the truth that they say Jesus serves up the people against whom? The Roman Empire, but he doesn't. Jesus is stirring up the people just through the truth against the religious leaders. How does he do it? With the gospel of the kingdom. But the kingdom of God is on the move. The word of God is on the move. The king is here. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom has arrived. Repent, turn to God, and believe the good news. It's the first thing he says in Mark's gospel. The religious leaders are trying to exercise their power 
But you know what they're really doing? They're demonstrating their desperation and their helplessness against the kingdom of God. Well, now we come to what some would call the second Roman trial, verse 6. A light bulb goes off in Pilate's mind. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. As soon as he knew that he, he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. So King Herod was over the Galilee. Pilate was over Herod because he was the whole governor of the whole area. But Herod was over Galilee. And Herod, who's a fake Jew, <laughs> is, is in Jerusalem for the Passover. Pilate knows it and is like, ah, oh, he's from his territory. I can send him to him. You say, what? How's that possible? Under Roman law, you could be tried at the scene of the crime or you could be sent back home. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ, no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.